You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, this is week number seven of our series called Back to the Basics, and I've really enjoyed this, and uh, you know, I'm real excited about what we're going to talk about today. But what we're doing is we're just going back and we're touching on some basic truths and principles from the Word of God that I know that we all have probably heard before. We're all familiar with what the Bible teaches, but it never does us any harm to go back and hear these things again, stir our hearts with them. Matter of fact, let's look at uh, what the Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. This is our foundation Scripture for the series and in the Passion Translation, it says this, this is why it is so crucial that we be all the more engaged and attentive to the truths that we have heard so that we do not drift off course. You know, it's human nature, and I've, I've been around this for a long time, many, many years, and, uh, you know, it's human nature to kind of want the latest and greatest, the newest and the fad and all of that type of thing. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, I suppose, in some things as far as clothes and whatnot. But listen, Ecclesiastes tells us there's nothing new under the sun. You know, I'm old enough to realize, too, that some of the fashions that are popular today or coming back today are ones that were popular in the 70s, okay? And I know Gary's not old enough to, to remember that, but, uh, you know, I know I am. And so it's just funny, but but uh, <laughs> one of the things that we can't do is let the word of God that we have heard slip or, or let it drift away or, or leave it behind pursuing something new because uh, what happens when we do that is there is a potential, as this verse says, for us to drift off course. And uh, so I know you don't want to drift off course. I don't want to drift off course. I want to stay right focused on what God has for me and where God wants to get all of us. And so that's what we're doing. We're going back and we're touching on these things. We spent the first few weeks talking about faith and some faith principles and how you can release your faith, how you build and develop your faith. If you've missed any of those, you can go back and listen to them on the website or download the podcast. And then last week, we started talking about some principles concerning love. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 that faith works by love. So don't talk to me about how great your faith is if I can't see the love of God manifested in your life. <clears throat> it takes love working in us. And I'm just going to grab a punchline right now and give it to you. If you want to write this down, this isn't in your notes for today. I was going to talk about it next week, but I'm going to go ahead and say it and just so we can begin to get this in our hearts, and that is this. Love always wins. God's love always wins. 1 Corinthians says it this way, love never fails. And so we, if we'll get that and we'll understand that and act on it and base our lives on it, I promise you, you will be on the road to victory all the time. If you make up your mind that you're going to uh, love as God loves, then I promise you, you're going to come out on top. Matter of fact, let's look at what Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verses 34 and 35. Jesus said this, a new suggestion I give to you that you love one another as, huh? What's wrong? It, huh? A new what? A new commandment. Okay, so this is a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now, here's the standard, as I have loved you. So if you ever want to know what the measuring stick is for the love walk that we're to walk in, look at Jesus. So a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So write this down, please. And that is this, Jesus gave us a commandment to love one another. 
Now, Jesus did, never commanded us to walk in faith, although he taught us to. He never commanded us to uh, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover, although he said we can and they will. If there is anything that Jesus commanded us to do, it was this, and that is that we are to love one another as he loves us. So we're going to talk about this commandment of love. Now, notice Jesus didn't say in this verse, let me go back to the verse. Notice he didn't say, or let me tell you what he did say again. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. By what? By the way that you love one another. Now, notice this. He did not say people will know that we are his disciples if we have great faith. People will know that we are his disciples if we walk in supernatural Holy Ghost power. Yeah. People will know we are his disciples if we walk in divine healing. People will know that uh, we are his disciples if we walk in godly prosperity. He didn't say any of that. He said they will know that they, they will know that we are his disciples by the way that we love one another. So could it be, y'all, I'm just going to throw this out there, and I'm including me in this, could it be one of the reasons that the world is having a hard time recognizing who the true disciples of Christ are is because we're not exactly loving each other as we should? I'm just saying, okay, well, I'll just talk to these folks up here because I can tell that thrilled you, okay? So we need to grow in this thing called love and what God commanded us to do. Now, by the way, if you will fulfill what Jesus says in these two verses right here, you will fulfill all of the commandments of the Old Testament. Because if you love me, you won't steal from me. If you love me, you won't covet my stuff. If you love me and if you love God, you won't take his name in vain. So all of the Old Testament commandments are fulfilled in this one commandment right here. So forget about trying to live by the old commandments. There's nothing wrong with them, but I tell you, this is a full-time job right here. Can I get an amen? All right, so let's go to the next verse, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. Now notice this. Somebody says, well, I just, I don't know, pastor, if I can love people like you're telling me I need to love them. Okay, hang on. Romans 5 verse 5. Now hope does not disappoint. Why? Because the love of God. Whose love? Whose love? God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now, let me explain this to you. We taught when we were teaching of the faith portion of this series, we said to you that the scripture says that when we got born again, God dealt to you the measure of faith. And whether you have great faith is up to you, not God. Okay, well, here, I've got a new one for you based on this. Look, write this down. We have potential for great love in us just like we have the potential for great faith in us. See, when you got born again, God deposited his faith down on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit, and he deposited his love down on the inside of you by the Holy Spirit. So I want to tell you this. We all, as born-again believers, have the capacity to love people the way God loves people because he put his love on the inside of us, okay? Now, anybody here uh, ever been involved in a relationship before? Some of you aren't sure. Okay, I'm, let me try that again. Anybody here in this room ever been in a relationship before? I'm talking about with family, friends, coworkers, whatever. You've been involved in a relationship before. All right, now let me take it a step further and ask you this question. Anybody ever been hurt in a relationship before? Okay, all right, everybody in the room, I would venture to say. Okay, so now let me establish a couple of principles before we get into the real meat of today's message and talking about relationships. So here we go. Write this down, please. All of us said we've been hurt in relationships. Here we go. The source of our hurt is not in the relationships. Okay? 
Somebody said, you don't know who I was in relationship with. That doesn't matter. The source of your hurt in that relationship was not the relationship itself, okay? How many of you know that when two people get married, uh, both people are imperfect, okay? There's no such thing as two or perfect people to come together. I'm gonna say this, God's desire, and I'm not just talking about marriage, but God's desire in marriage, you know, uh, I've often heard it said that, you know, you, you need to uh, bring, it's 50-50 that makes 100. Let me, let me no, let's straighten that out. In a marriage relationship, it's 100 plus 100 equals a healthy marriage relationship, okay? Now, what do I mean by that? is that in the relationship, the relationship itself is divinely designed by God. Whether it's friendships, whether it's a marriage relationship, whether it's just casual relationships, all of those relationships have been designed by God. And in and of themselves, they do not present or cause hurt in our lives. So where does the hurt come from? Well, write this down, please. The pain comes or the hurt comes because of pursuing after and handling relationships apart from God's way of handling relationships. And listen, I know what our first response, well, again, you don't know who I was in relationship with, Pastor. Okay, well, that might be true, but can I say this? All right. Uh, I have been around long enough to know um, there's their side, your side, and then there's the truth. Okay? <laughs> well, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, so, so if healthy relationships are designed by God and the pain or the hurt in the relationship comes as one or the other or both handle the relationship apart from God's way of, and the way that he designed for us to act and behave in relationships, then let's, let's say this, okay, write this down. All healthy relationships require work, planning, and godly wisdom. All the married couples in here ought to say amen, a big amen, okay? All healthy relationships, all healthy friendships, all healthy family relationships, all marriages require work, planning, or strategy. They're not accidental, okay? And godly wisdom. Can I say it to you this way? If you will handle your relationship God's way, it will be a great relationship, okay? All right, now, so I wanted to lay that groundwork so that um, you understand some basics about relationships. So as we talk about relationships, uh, you understand that in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with the relationship. You know, there's nothing wrong with marriage. God designed marriage, by the way, to be between one man and one woman, and he purposed it that way, designed it that way, and when you act and behave in a marriage relationship the way that God wants us to, and by the way, it takes work, strategy, and planning, and, and uh, his wisdom to be able to live that way, then it is possible for you to have a marriage made in heaven. It is possible for you to have family relationships. Now listen, we've all got that crazy uncle. <clears throat> you know, the one that wears or, or carries the red cup at family reunions and stuff, and you never know what quite what's in that red cup. And, and, you know, you never know what's going to come out of their, his mouth, you know, at, at, at the, the family reunion or whatever. We've all got family members like that, okay? So, believe it or not, there's a godly way to handle even that relationship, all right? So, here's what happens. If we abandon the godly principles that, that we're going to be talking about, about this week and, and, the next, and next week, then you're going to have bad experiences everywhere you go in relationships. Can I say this to you? Let me, let me take it out of relationship uh, environment for just a second. You know, I, I, I'll hear somebody say, 
Well, you know, pastor, I, I just can't seem to keep a good job because every time I go and I get a job and I'm working there, those people are crazy. And so then you leave that job and you'll go get another job and I have another job. And those people are crazy too. Has the thought ever occurred to you that the crazy seems to be following you wherever you go? Okay, maybe you're the crazy one. I'm just saying. Okay, so if we abandon the way God wants us to handle relationships, <clears throat> then you're going to have bad experiences everywhere that you go. So I want to talk about today probably the number one relation, uh, uh, issue that we have in relationships. The number one problem, no matter what the relationship is, how, the, deep, the depth of the relationship, whether it's an acquaintance, whether it's family, whether it's spouse, whatever the case might be, I'm gonna, we're going to unravel and expose one of the number one causes of problems in relationships, and that is the trap of offense. Not like offense in football. I'm talking about getting offended. Okay? Are you with me? Now, now listen, if you don't look at anybody else but me, nobody's going to know that we're talking about you, okay? So just keep that in mind. Don't look at your spouse or your friend next to you or whatever. All right, so let's, let's begin this. Let's look at seven, Luke's chapter 17 and verse 1, and it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, this is interesting, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Now, that's interesting to me. It is impossible that no offenses are going to happen. In other words, can I say it to you this way? What Jesus was saying is, it is not possible for you not to have opportunities to get offended. Okay? The word impossible actually means in the Greek language, it's unthinkable. And I love, I read what one Greek scholar said this, and I didn't put this in your notes, but listen to how he translated this verse. It is simply unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. And we see that all in culture today. Everybody's offended about everything. You know, you can't say anything without somebody screaming, I'm offended. Okay, well, we're going to pull the rug out from underneath that a little bit today, all right? And, and, you know, that's just part of culture today. And so, again, it is unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to become offended. And I think that's what a lot of people, I'm looking for my safe place. I need my safe space. This is my safe space right here. You're not allowed in my safe space because if you do, I might get offended. No, there's no such thing as a safe space, okay? You're going to have to do something and posture yourself in a certain way where offense is, come, is concerned. All right, so write this down. Where there are people, there will be offense, but offense does not have to end in destruction and years of deep emotional pain. So guess what? If you're around people, there's going to be offense. It's just a fact of life. It's a fact because we live, we're broken people living in a broken, imperfect world. All right? So, where there are people, there will be offense. But offense does not have to end in destruction and years of deep emotional pain. All right? Now, let me read this to you. The only reason that offenses have such a dramatic effect on us is because we try and deal with offenses in an unscriptural manner. When we reject the word of God and choose our own views, our own ways, and our own opinions of dealing with offense, we've excluded God and his healing power from that part in your life. Now listen to me carefully. 
We limit ourselves to our own resources to deal with offense. Now, here's the good news. As a born-again believer, you have resources available to you to deal with offense that other people don't have. It's called the love of God. Okay? All right. So, listen to this. Every offense that comes our way has the potential to cause us great pain and harm. Now, Jesus said, just don't even think about living a life without offense coming. So, it's going to happen. But it's not the offense itself that contains the power to cause you great pain and harm. Okay? So, write this down. Now, this is a sobering truth. The potential for the pain and harm lies in how we respond to the offense. So if it's impossible to live a life where offense is not going to happen, Jesus said so, and I believe Jesus told the truth, then we're going to have to deal with offense. We're going to have opportunities to get offended. But the hurt and the harm lies in how we respond to it. Now, that, there, that's good news to me, and it's kind of bad news, but it's good news in the sense of that means I have a choice in whether that offense harms me or not. In other words, I don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be a victim. Okay? All right, y'all getting real quiet in here. All right. Okay. Listen to this. Write this down, please. There is nothing. Everybody say nothing. There is nothing that anyone says or does to you that can destroy you unless you respond to it in an unbiblical way. There is nothing. Say nothing again. Now, does nothing mean to you what it means to me, like zero, zilch, nada, okay? There is nothing that anyone says or does to you that can destroy you or hurt or harm you unless you respond to it in an unbiblical way, all right? Now, let's begin to break this down a little bit. What is an offense? If, if it's inevitable that they're going to happen, if it's inevitable that they're going to come, let's, let's look at this and, and dive into this so that you can clearly understand what offense is. The word offense comes from the Greek word scandalon, which we get the word scandal from, Okay. So the word offense, and Jesus used this word when he said it's, an, it's impossible that offenses will not come. It is impossible that scandalons will not come into your life. That's what he said. So the word scandalon in the Greek language is the trigger of a trap on which the bait is placed and which when touched by the animal springs and causes it to close, causing entrapment. Let me, let me illustrate it for you. Anybody know what this is? What is that? Huh? It's a mousetrap, okay? Now, that little piece of metal on the upper side of the spring is called the scandalon because that's where you put the peanut butter or the cheese or whatever it is that you're trying to bait that mouse with. Now, what happens is, when, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the rat or the mouse fools with the bait that is on that scandalon, anybody in here ever gotten caught by a mousetrap before? No, I'm, I'm talking about literally had one spring on your hand. It's not fun. It hurts, and it can break your fingers if it's big enough, Okay. So it is dangerous because what it is designed to do, now I don't mean to be too crude, but what it's designed to do when that bar flips over because of that spring, it's designed to break the neck of that little mouse that gets caught in that. So can I say this to you? 
That trap is designed to cause death and destruction to come to that mouse. Now, what causes the mouse to get caught in that trap is when they fool with the scandalon. Okay? Let me, let me say it to you another way. Maybe it'll drive it home. That what the devil does is he baits you with bait on that scandalon, hoping you'll take the bait. And if you take the bait, then that spring is going to be sprung and that bar is going to come back and have the potential to cause great hurt and harm to you. But only if you take the bait. Okay? So what's interesting about this verse, let's go to what Jesus said again. Um, In Luke 17, he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no bait on the scandalon should come. Okay? Now again, we live in a fallen world with fallen people, broken people, and we're not perfect either. And so, what Jesus told us is that the bait for, for offense is going to be presented to you. Now, we have a choice in what we do with the bait. Okay? Are you tracking with me so far? All right? So, again, when we take the bait in a moment of offense, the trap slams down shut, and like that animal... They can't get out and suddenly find themselves caught in a miserable situation, trapped, and we find ourselves trapped in detrimental and negative emotions. All because of the scandal on, the bait of the offense. Now, how do, how do these things get presented to us? How does Satan, now here's the good news. I mean, you know, as I said to you earlier, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun. Satan's methods have not changed. They haven't changed since the Garden of Eden, okay? He uses the same old tricks, the same stuff. It might be packaged a little bit differently, but that's good for us because you can overcome an enemy that you can predict their behavior, So if your antenna is up, knowing that the opportunity for offenses is going to be presented to you, guess what? You can be ready for it, okay? Now, how does he present this to you? How does it come? And I'm talking about whether it's your spouse, your friend, your coworker, doesn't matter. In a relationship, how does it come? Here we go. Number one is this, unexpected behavior, Unexpected behavior. Because see, here's, here's human nature. We like to be able to predict things. There's comfort in prediction for us. Meaning, um, in our relationships, we like to be able to know uh, what the other per or how the other person is going to behave on a full-time basis we want to know that because there's safety there's comfort there's you know we 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 think that makes us invulnerable to problems all right but let me read something to you pastor rick renner who is a greek scholar uh you've heard me mention him before he pastors moscow good news church in moscow russia uh he and his family and a wonderful man of god but he has written some resources uh, for understanding the Greek language, which I highly recommend. Uh, He has two volumes of this. By the way, here's a little plug. If you want a daily devotional that is life-changing, get his book called The Sparkling Gems from the Greek. It's daily devotions, and he breaks down uh, a verse every day and explains to you what the Greek language is actually saying in that verse. And in this particular verse, Luke 17, 1, which we've already read, he says this, an offense usually occurs when you see, hear, or experience a behavior that is so different from what you expected 
It causes you to falter, totter, and wobble in your soul. Okay? Anybody ever shocked you with something that they said? <gasps> well, I never. Okay? In fact, he says, you are so stunned by what you have observed or by a failed expectation that you lose your footing emotionally. Before you know it, you're dumbfounded, you're flabbergasted about it, and then your shock turns into disbelief and your disbelief into disappointment and your disappointment into offense. Okay, let me break it down and say it to you this way. Um, and this is something I have to work on. Um, I had somebody, I was, I was coming out here yesterday and this guy in this loud Camaro cut me off on Highway 49. And, and what he did is he raced up beside me and tried, he, he raced up beside me, got between me, I was in the left lane and somebody else was in the right lane so he could jump out ahead of me and pass around, okay? Well, he waited until the time was so close that it was, a, a, it was actually too small of a space for him to squeeze into, but he went for it anyway. So I had to hit my brakes, and it's a good thing my horn is not a gun because he'd be dead, okay, because I shot him with my horn, all right? But I'll have to, I'll have to admit, I got mad. Can I say it to you this way? I got offended, all right? Why? Because I didn't see that coming. I couldn't predict that this guy was going to drive like an idiot, okay? And uh, after I blessed him in Jesus' name and prayed for his salvation, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, no, but I'm, but I'm using that as an example. What happened? He surprised me with unexpected behavior, and it potentially could have caused hurt and harm to me or the other person in the car in front of us. And so I got upset, and I got mad at him. Now, I got over it real quick because I've learned I'm not going to drive for another 30 minutes stewing because of what somebody did a while ago. I just prayed, Lord, help him. He's an idiot. Don't let him hurt anybody, all right? But here's my point. That's the way, that's what happens to us in relationships. We're cruising along. Everything's great. Even in our relationships, we think everything's great. And all of a sudden, a situation arises or something happens and they respond in an unpredicted way and it, and it surprises us. It throws us. It causes us to, like, like Rick said, causes us to teeter and wobble. Why? Because we didn't see it coming. And so the trap has been laid before us as to what can happen at that moment. Am I going to take the bait or not? And am I going to allow myself to get offended because of the behavior of that person I'm in relationship with. And, and see, there's several things that, you know, you, you, that we fail to take into consideration sometimes. You know, I've had uh, servers at restaurants. I've had cashiers who are rude and things like that. And, and really what I've had to do is step back. Instead of letting their behavior towards me, their responses to me, throw me I choose to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, they're reacting that way because something is going on in their life. I refuse, you know, I just, call me naive, call me dumb, stupid, whatever you want to. I just refuse to believe that people as a whole are mad, mean, and evil. I just refuse to believe that. All right, so what happens is, is this unexpected behavior when we can't predict it, we don't see it coming. You know, somebody is sharp with us. They, they say something that is hurtful. And, and, and instead of handling it the biblical way, the godly way, with the God kind of love, what we do is we handle it based on our own human resources, and it ends up throwing us 
off. It ends up causing us to, like he said, uh, we get shocked. We, we're in disbelief. Then we're disappointed because we expected more from those people. And now we are offended. Okay? Here's the second thing that causes uh, offense. There's others, but these are the two major. The second thing is this, confrontation with the truth. Confrontation with the truth. People, as a general rule, don't like to hear the truth. You know, one of my uh, probably top 50 movies is A Few Good Men. You remember that movie? You remember that classic Jack Nicholson line when he's on the stand and he tells Tom Cruise's character, he says, you can't handle the truth. You remember that? He didn't know how right he was in that human nature generally doesn't like to hear the truth. Because the reason we don't like to hear the truth is because then once we have heard it, we have to deal with it. Whether it's truth about us, whether it's truth about a perception that we had, truth about uh, an environment, whatever it might be, uh, once we learn that truth, then the opportunity is there for us to either get offended or have to deal with the truth and make some adjustments and possible repentance and correction. You know, um, I have found as a pastor, people have gotten mad at me when I have opened the word of God and told them what the Bible said. I didn't write it. I'm just reading what it says. And people have gotten offended at me. None of y'all. Don't be looking around trying to say, are you offended? No, I'm just talking about in years past, people have gotten mad at me when I have confronted them with the truth of God's word. I remember I had a lady, this was several years ago, I had a lady um, who was involved in an activity. She wasn't a part of our church but we had opened up our church to be used by um, an organization uh, to facilitate some training and things like that and a relationship that, you know, we're very close to and have a great relationship with. And, and this lady works there. And this lady uh, lives in a current homosexual relationship. She lives with another woman and is married to another woman. And so she comes to me, corners me in my office, and she says, Pastor, uh, I want to know where you, where you and your church stand on gay marriage. And I said, well, first of all, let me, under, let, me, let me tell you this. I'm not against gay people. I love gay people. God loves gay people. But a gay lifestyle goes contrary to what the Bible teaches and calls it sin. And she, you know... I could see the look come over her face. That's the response that she expected. And so I looked at her after she stood there in, in dumbfounded silence for a second, and I asked her, I said, did I pass your test? And she said, oh, I wasn't testing. I said, yes, you were. You wanted to see if I would co-sign on your relationship because if, if I did, then you would consider coming to my church. But I can't do that. Because I cannot violate what the Word of God says. I have to tell you the truth. And unfortunately, she didn't like the truth. Okay? You know, I'm sorry. I have to, just like I have to govern my life by this book, I have to instruct, because here's, here's what, I would rather offend her and you then stand in front of Jesus one day and Jesus asked me, why didn't you tell them the truth? Because I was afraid, Jesus, of what they would think. I was afraid, Jesus, of what they would say. So I'll say this to you. Regarding matters of my opinion, I might share with you what my opinion is, but I will always preface it by, this is my opinion. But where things concerning the Word of God are concerned, I have to tell you the truth. Now, what you do with that is up to you. If it offends you, then you have a choice at that matter, at that moment, 
to decide what you're going to do with that truth. Either you're going to be offended, blow up, and leave and never come back, or you're going to say, uh, and not because I said it, but because you can read it in the Bible for yourself, that you have to make some changes. Because by the way, can I say this to you? God doesn't change for anybody. He doesn't change for me. He doesn't change for you. And when he says this and this and this, you're not going to talk him out of that. <laughs> okay? So a great opportunity for offense happens when we're confronted with the truth. Uh, perhaps you're confronted with the truth about a situation in your own life. You know, I love um, uh, Dave Ramsey and, of course, his, his uh, whole teaching on getting out of debt and things like that, which I believe is scriptural and biblical. And uh, occasionally, I'll, I'll catch him on YouTube from his radio show or talk show and listen to what people say when they call in and it is remarkable to me because people will call into the man's radio program seeking advice, and when he tells them what they need to do, they don't want to hear it. I'm like, why did you call? Okay? And so, anyway, you have an opportunity to get offended. In the New Testament, the word scandalon that we mentioned earlier is also used to refer to a stone or an obstacle that causes someone to trip. Uh, it causes you to lose your footing. It causes you to waver or fall down. Uh, let me show you a scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Peter said this, Therefore to you who believe, Jesus is precious, but to those who are disobedient or don't believe, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. And, verse 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of scandalon, of offense. People stumble being disobedient to the word to which they were also appointed. Okay, so what it is, and we see this in our culture. What is Peter saying is that when the gospel is presented, it's either going to be a, a lifeline to somebody and offer somebody hope and and an opportunity for a new life, or it's going to be a rock of offense that causes them to stumble. Again, because when you start telling people the truth, people generally, as, you know, not everybody, but as a general rule, a lot of people don't want to hear the truth. You know, there's the whole thing about, um, you know, do you believe Jesus is the only way to heaven? Yes, well, pastor, I believe that life is like a mountain and there are many ways to get to the top. You know, uh, there could be, you know, as I'm kind to nature and, and, and uh, no, no, one way. And that is whether you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or not. That's it. That is the truth. Well, you're just hard. No, the truth is hard. You just don't, like Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth. So two things that causes us to get offended is when somebody presents unexpected behavior to us or when we have an opportunity to hear the truth and we don't like what is being said. Okay? Are you still here? So what keeps us from being able to move forward in these things? So again, we've all had opportunities to get offended. We've all had opportunities to experience hurt and harm and pain because of relationships and offense that has happened in those relationships. So what keeps us from making progress? Well, here's the first one, hanging on to past offenses. Hanging on to past offenses. Some people... I know this isn't anybody here, but some people are still experience hurt and live in pain because of offense that happened 40 years ago. Well, pastor, you just don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. But are you a Christian? Yes, I am. I love Jesus, but I hate their guts. Okay. 
uh, that's like oil and water. It ain't going to mix. You're either one or the other. Matter of fact, 1 John says, and I'll just throw this out there. 1 John says, he that hates his brother still lives in darkness. So I don't care how much you claim to be born again. If you say you hate somebody, then either, again, Jesus is lying or you're lying. Okay? It is impossible for you to, to live in hate and be a follower of Jesus Christ. So the, the, the thing that keeps us is hanging on to those past offenses. Listen, I don't care if it's that guy who pulled in front of me yesterday. I got to let that go. And thank God I've learned, let it go. I, didn't, I mean, it didn't make it a quarter of a mile down the street. I was already over it, okay? But things that are much more serious than that. You know, I've had opportunities with family members, um, you know, and I'm talking about distant family, not immediate, distant family members, you know, who have done and said some things to me that were hurt and harm, hurtful and harmful. And, uh, you know, I have a choice. I can hang on to that, live on that, and every time I see them, avoid them. You know, be in the same room with them and won't even acknowledge their presence. Or I can choose to do something different. So you and I have a choice. Are we going to hang on to those past offenses? Because remember, Jesus said they're going to come. It's what you do with them that determines whether they cause you hurt and harm. Here's the second thing. Fear of new offenses. This will keep you from moving forward. I, I, I know some people. I'm thinking about them right now. Bless their hearts because of past hurt and harm and offense that they have experienced in their life, they basically won't leave the house. If they have to leave the house to go to church or go somewhere, it, it's, it, it's like a little animal that scurries out, does what they need to do, and as soon as the light comes on, they run back. It's like a cockroach. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. They run back and hide. And I know people that live that way. And they only come out when they absolutely have to. They don't spend time developing and building other additional relationships because I don't want to get hurt again. And I understand that. I don't like pain either. But what you're going to have to do is move past that or your life is going to be bound up in those past offenses or it's going to be bound up in fear of getting hurt again. Okay? Hallelujah. All right, so Jesus said to us, and this is, you know, as I was preparing this, I really, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, did I mess up in my order of messages here? And should I have waited and preached this last week and last week, this week? And he said, no. So, so Jesus said there's only one way to deal with offenses because they're going to come. Anybody want to take a guess? Huh? Say it good and loud, Brenda. Forgiving them. All right, so let's go to what Jesus said. Take heed to yourselves. Now, by the way, this is two verses after he just got through saying it's impossible for that offenses are not going to come. So he said, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Now, let me, <laughs> let me tell you what a rebuke is not. A skillet upside the head. A baseball bat, all right? A rock, whatever you want to say. Okay, no, rebuking is when you, you say, hey, listen, man, we need to talk. What you said that day really hurt me, okay? And notice what he said. And if he repents, forgive him. Now, we taught last week. If you missed last week, listen to the message because there's a heart of forgiveness and an act of forgiveness. The heart of forgiveness happens whether he repents or not. The act of forgiveness happens when he does repent, okay? And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, what should you do? You shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Now, for the longest time, this really threw me. 
I'm like, Jesus is not talking about faith. He's not talking about prayer. He's not talking about casting out devils. He's not talking about moving mountains. He's not talking about laying hands on the sick. He's talking about forgiving someone who has offended you. And the disciples go, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus, um, um, can you increase our faith? Now, I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to do what you and I try to do, try and do a lot of times. When we don't want to deal with stuff, uh, we try and change the subject and make it deep and spiritual when it's really very simple. Just forgive. So they, they said, increase our faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So <laughs> what kind of response is that? Okay. What Jesus said to them is this. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your faith. Has nothing to do with your faith. Your faith doesn't need to increase in order for you to forgive somebody. Matter of fact, he said, if you've got mustard the size of, or faith the size of a mustard seed, you've got more than enough to do the job where faith is concerned. But faith is not really needed per se in a situation where you need to forgive somebody. You just need to forgive them. Now, here's what really Jesus was saying. Write this down, please. Forgiving people is never a problem of faith. It's always a problem of choice. Now, you know, God has designed this thing where we're not robots. He will not override our will. He gives you the privilege of choosing. So, so let me map this out for you. When you have an opportunity to get offended in a relationship, in church, at work, whatever the case might be, you at that moment have a choice. What did Jesus tell you to do when that happens? Somebody say it. Forgive them. Now, let's say they, they do it 20 times a day. What did Jesus say? Forgive them. Now, what does that mean? Okay, and I'm gonna just do a real, real slight review of what we talked about last week. When you forgive somebody, now this is true forgiveness in your heart. When you forgive them, they no longer owe you anything. That's why Jesus said, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our Deadlers. A debt is something that you owe. So when you forgive someone, when that person responds to you in a way that you didn't predict and it totally catches you off guard, you have a choice at that moment. Lord, I forgive them in the name of Jesus and I release that and they don't owe me anything. Because what you just did is set yourself free from the scandal on and let God deal with them. Now, here's something that we, we did say last week, and that is this. If they don't ever come and ask you to forgive them, can you be angry and bitter and have malice in your heart? No, you cannot. You have to let God deal with them. Now, here's the thing that you've always got to remember, and this is applicable to us just like it is to them, the offender, and that is this. You always get back what you sow. What you ought to be praying for them is, Lord, please don't let them get a harvest of what they just tried to sow in my life. That's mercy. That's the love of God. All right? So, don't fall into the trap. Don't let the devil bait you. By the way, let me back up, and I want to say one more thing. Um, let me go back to what Jesus said here. Oh, there we go. Notice what he said. Take heed to yourselves. Now, this is the danger of the trap. Take heed to yourselves. Notice Jesus' terminology. If your brother sins against you, what they did was sin. The danger is, and this is what Satan is after, is if he can get you offended at what they did, he can get you in sin too. 
And if he can get you in sin, then the door is wide open for whatever he wants to introduce into your life. Do you see that? Subtle, subtle, subtle. So sneaky. But thank God, I've just pulled, or the word of God has pulled the veil back, and you know what to do now. So I promise you, can I, can I give you some good news? You're going to have an opportunity to forgive somebody that's going to try and offend you before you, before you go to bed tonight. I prophesy that over you right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, seriously, you're going to have opportunity every single day to deal with offense. And how you handle it is going to determine whether it causes you hurt and harm in your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word that we've heard today. Lord, I thank you that it's fallen on good ground, the people of Spring Hill Church. And I thank you, Father, that in Jesus' name, it will produce fruit and a harvest in our lives. Lord, I thank you that we purpose in our hearts as we're studying these things to live in and walk by the love of God. That, Father, we're going to forgive we're not going to hold grudges. We're not going to be bitter. We're not going to be full of anger and malice towards other people. But Father, we're going to display and live out the love of God. And the main, the main reason is so that people will know about you and the fact that we follow you and that we are your sons and daughters. Because that's the way it's going to be displayed is through the love of God. Father, I thank you for that. I pray for any person who's here under the sound of my voice that has been hurt, and man, that thing was severe. And the harm from it was huge. The cost was great. Father, I pray that the love of God would rise up on the inside of them like never before, and that, Father, they would find it in their hearts to obey the word of God and to forgive, to let it go, and not hang on to that, and let it cause additional hurt and harm to them. And Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that even if those folks that have offended, if they never repent, Lord, we pray for them right now. Father, I pray that you would have mercy on them I pray, Father, that laborers would cross their path that could minister the love of God, the gospel to them so that their lives can be changed and different. And Father, I know in the name of Jesus that we don't have to carry that because justice always gets carried out in heaven. And Father, I thank you for it. And Lord, we just choose right now to let those hurts go, those offenses go, we release them right now in the name of Jesus. We don't hold any ill will towards those who have offended us, and we release it right now, Father. I just want you in Jesus' name, if that's you, and you need to forgive somebody today, just very quietly, you don't have to say it out loud, but just under your breath, just maybe call that person's name and just say, Lord, I forgive them right now in Jesus' name. They don't owe me a debt. Now, they might need to do what's right, but they don't owe you a debt in the sense of your life is going to stop until they come and try and make it right or they bring an apology or anything like that. You release them from that obligation and you allow yourself to be free of that in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for moving in each of our lives. Lord, I thank you over the last several months how you've dealt with me and how you've led me to forgive those that I thought was long gone. Father, I thank you for the freedom in that. And I believe you for your blessing and, and favor in each of our lives like never before as we choose to walk in the love of God. Father, we thank you today that love never fails. Love, your love, always wins. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I want to say this to you. 
Um, love always wins. And what I mean by that is um, don't put your life on hold or pause waiting to see if you've gotten the victory. If you will do what is right, I promise you, love always wins. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.